0: You're listening to the Carboline Tech Service Podcast. I'm Jack Walker. With me as always is Paul Jameis. He also happens to be the director of technical service. And and Paul, how's it going? How's how's that hip old man? (laughs) Shoes on the other foot, man. You're the old one who's hurt.
1: (laughs) You got to hear about me all the time. Yeah. You know, and I, I wish I could tell you that it was some spectacular injury and I was doing something fantastic and, you know, really being great doing it, and, and no, I, I just flat out woke up and, and it hurt. You know why? Because I'm old. Yep. They say I'm a grumpy old man. <laughs> I, I See, I don't deny that. That's where you and I differ. You refuse to embrace this maturing of life. Hey, I'm, hey, I'm, my I'm, number I'm still starts it. with a three.
0: I'm not, not getting there yet, you know. I got nine more months of that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. We'll have to remember that. I didn't realize that we were that close. Oh yeah. yeah.
0: Life as we know it comes to an end this September, yep. 2019. Well, we got to kind of give a shout out. Why don't you take over here about the uh, toy drive here and the response? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So if, so if y'all remember back to, you know, a couple of weeks before Christmas, we had, uh, our executive vice president, Jim Rippey was on the podcast with us and we talked about one of the things Carboline's been doing for, what did we say, what was it, like 12 years we've been doing it? Sounds like it. And we've been doing a to- toy drive. Let's say that 10 times fast. Toy drive, toy drive, toy <laughs> drive, toy drive, toy
0: drive, toy drive, toy drive. Who's counting? Toy drive, toy That's drive.
1: 10. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> so this toy drive for our local children's hospital here, Cardinal Glennon Children's Hospital in St. Louis. And we reached out and said, you know, either send something in here or look up your local ones and boy did we have a fantastic year this year we had a 50% increase over the previous year oh wow in one year it was a fantastic showing and i know i'm going to i'm going to call out rick rick called me up and said he was listening to the podcast he pulled the car over to the side of the road took out his phone went to amazon and ordered toys and had them sent to the building up here in st louis and you know rick thank you thank you to any of the guys yeah. or or salesmen women men or women Absolutely. Who, who helped us out this year and to achieve this new goal. And uh, hopefully we'll be a little more organized earlier in the season next year and to be able to help orchestrate this to, to make it a little more successful for some more groups next year. Us? Organized? Well, you know, hey, we can, we can hope.
0: Was that a resolution? Wait, no, we decided you're not resolute. You yeah, No, I'm not making that resolution.
1: All right, so anyway, Paul, uh, that's great. How do they get a hold of us? Yeah, you can reach us on email at service at jack's on twitter at jack underscore ctsp and i'm at paul underscore ctsp
0: all right so today we're gonna bring in a guest who's been on the show several times in fact he he told us just before we started recording that it was his dream to one day be a recurring character on a podcast so uh, at that point we, Jack started looking up theme
1: music for him. <laughs> oh man, I wish we could use previously
0: reco- Everybody just needs to do themselves a favor and Google Big Bad Bill is Sweet William now. Because we can't play it on the, the show, but I want to so bad.
2: <laughs> hey, I just wanted to point this out to you guys before we get to a pertinent topic. Is I think last time I was on the show, we were talking about who was old. you know, And you, just, mm. you guys just kind of set up for it this time. I have to point out again that I just turned 30 and you guys are all relatively old compared to me. So just, <laughs> you kind of walked into that. I'm sorry, yeah, but right. it happened last time. And just in the name and tradition, you guys are, are pretty ancient. But we
0: decided, you know, he's not Sweet William, obviously. And he's not Big Bad Bill. But last time or the time before, we decided he is Billum. Yeah. That
2: has, that has stuck, unfortunately. And uh, the phone loop has reflected that. It's people, apparently more than a few people listening to this podcast. So. Uh,
1: yeah, we got a couple of listeners. Yeah, At, like six. We need to figure out how to change his signature line without him knowing it. To Billum? Yeah. yeah.
2: yeah. Uh,
0: <laughs> probably just some minor level hacking. Nobody reads yeah. my
2: email anyway. Joke's <laughs> on you. I would say,
0: knowing, knowing Bill, though, he probably double-checks everything before he hits send and would notice that it said Billum. I'd like to think that's true, but I doubt it.
2: Mm, I'm not that thorough, boss. Sorry. <laughs> no. I would like to say I am, but uh, no.
0: So we brought Billum. And today, we wanted to talk about isocyanates, which is a curing agent that is most commonly used with polyurethanes. And one of the things we kind of want to talk about them is what happens when they react with water.
1: One of the things that you're going to see, being, you know, we're in a, one of those transitional time of year right now. If you're listening to it, if you're staying current, you know, we're at the beginning of January. We're having some of the warmest Januaries that we've ever had in this part of the country. All over the country, there's, there's rain instead of snow. But even when there's snow... Moisture is something you have to be concerned about when you're dealing with isocyanates. And you can find isocyanates in a wide array of different types of urethanes. It is the active ingredient that makes them work. So you can find it in urethane tank linings. You can find it in urethane floor coatings. You can find it in urethane, the polyurethane that goes on the surface, the visible, the weathering finish. It's the same one that's in or used to be in automobile finishes, um, you know, tank exteriors. So you find it all over the place. It's not unique. So understanding what some of the cautions that you have to think about in these, it's warm for January, but it's still cool. And when you have rain and you have all this humidity in the air, they're sensitive to that moisture. So one of the things that we, that we end up doing when Jack and I plan out with these podcasts, what we're going to talk about, sometimes it's just, hey, what's been on the phones lately? What have people been asking about? And this is one of those, one of those topics of, you know, the question came up. Why do I have what looks like salt crystals in my isocyanate?
0: Yeah, so I guess let's start there. Let's start with what is the reaction, and that's the whole reason we brought Bill in. So Bill, give us a little bit of clue of what happens when isocyanate and water.
2: So you can kind of think of isocyanate kind of like you think of an amine for an epoxy. The curing agent or the hardener is always going to be some kind of reactive molecule because it has to have enough reactivity to actually react with the resin and form a curing film. And in the case of isocyanates, they're very reactive with, uh, how do I sum this up? Anything with an oxygen atom and a hydrogen atom right next to each other, we call a hydroxyl. I won't bore you with the details, but know that water contains this group. And whenever water is in the presence of isocyanate, you get a really quick reaction. And isocyanate does two things. First of all, it tends to lock up. You'll see those crystals that Paul was referring to, maybe in the bottom of your can if you weren't so neat on the job site. And usually you see CO2 bubbling out as well. You can see this sometimes if you apply urethane over moisture. You can actually see gas bubbles in the cured film. And it's worth noting that whenever people make urethane foams, which we do not make at Carbaline, they intentionally add water to urethanes to create those gas bubbles and make a foam. Now all of our top coats are not foams, and most of the time you're not going to be looking for a foam-like finish. So you should be really careful to make sure that you, one, watch your dew point when you're applying urethane. And two, make sure it's not exposed to any water early because you're going to get that gas bubbling. The cure reaction may not complete if all your isocyanates eaten up by water. And even small amounts of water can make a huge difference. So always look out for that. Any amount of water matters. Always be sure to practice good can hygiene with all your urethane converters and isocyanate based materials because, let me reiterate, any small amount of water can seriously affect the performance of urethane negative way
0: and i'll take a step further there with your you said your can hygiene so you said that co2 is part of the reaction uh, that's right. that happens and uh i've seen can lids take off like a
2: rocket yeah that's because yeah.
0: um the isocyanate inside gets it's it's highly humid outside or such but anyway some moisture gets in there and it just builds pressure and then you just slightly Certainly start to open that can, and that can shoots 10 to 15 feet in the air.
2: Absolutely, and uh, probably not the best idea to shake urethane converters, especially I think all the ones we sell at Carbaline uh, are unfilled. There's no reason to shake them, and if there is any moist air in there, you don't want to do anything to entrain that moist air into the isocyanate. So, you know, the vast majority of the time, just open the urethane converter can, give it a little stir with a stick, and then mix it with your urethane part A. You don't want to do anything that could potentially introduce water, assume the air is wet, and just be sure to, to consider that whenever you mix your urethane together. Because
0: if the water reacts with the isocyanate at those reaction sites of the molecule, what can isocyanate now not
2: react with? The urethane. Yeah, the urethane resin. Absolutely. Whenever isocyanates react with water, that's almost the same reaction as when it reacts with the urethane resin. So, like Jack pointed out, if it's already reacted with the water, it will not react with your urethane part A.
1: It's, it's not a reversible reaction. That's right, yeah. So once you once you tie it up, it's, it's locked there. One of the things we do as a paint manufacturer is when we can these isocyanate components, we put an, a layer of gas on the top of that. And usually it's a nitrogen blanket is what we call it. And it's, you know, nitrogen cl- gas that's been cleaned, dried, and it's just comes out of a nozzle and you squirt it on and it displaces the natural atmosphere that's in the area. The normal air that we would breathe, it pushes that away and the nitrogen settles on the surface of the paint and that prevents moisture contamination from getting in there. So that's why you don't want to have do any aggressive shaking or agitating before you're ready to use it because that nitrogen blanket is there to prevent liquid from getting or water from getting into your ISO.
0: Well I guess I should clarify one point further too is when we were talking about the can lids shooting off the top, it's, it's hardly ever an unopened can. It's usually a can That's that right. has been opened once, exposed to the atmosphere, and closed again. It's usually the second, third, fourth, whatever opening. Yeah, that somebody you see that. And
1: and you know, this is another one of the reasons why you will find on most paint companies product data sheets not to mix partial kits. And this is one of the reasons why we don't recommend mixing partial kits, because once you open up the can, now you've exposed you know, air and moisture to your paint, and you run into this risk of all of the side effects that could happen by having moisture uh, contaminating your system.
0: All right, it's that time again. It's that time to remind you that Carblind pays the bills, and they're
1: paying a bill for us. They're sending us out into the public, Paul. We are going to get to go out and meet people in the wild. I can't believe it if you don't know what we're talking about yet you need to stop by at the sspc codings plus conference in orlando florida it's february 12th to the 14th Carboline is going to have a booth and guess what we're going to be doing the podcast live
0: in the booth that's booth number 601 you come by stop by i think we have a giveaway for you plus you know you get to Hang out with me and Paul. What could be better than that? Yeah, we'll be doing some recordings live in front of the uh, studio right there. All right. That's again, that's uh, booth number 601 at SSBC Coatings Plus in Orlando, February 12th through the 14th.
2: I-, I will point this out as well. Watch your thinners whenever you're thinning these urethanes because some thinner, maybe it's an old can of thinner. Maybe it's been allowed to sit out open for a while. Some of them can uptake a little bit of water or have a little bit of water sitting on top. So be sure to use thinner that you've controlled has been stored in a good environment and hadn't been left open to the air because there's a good chance there may be water along for the ride of that toluene or xylene whenever you mix it with urethane and that's the same effect.
0: Well and that's actually where I was going to transition to is to talk about some of the sneaky ways water can work its way in that you don't think about and thinners is definitely one of them especially you need to make sure that you're buying a high quality thinner because there are thinners out there that you can get that don't have necessarily the controls that a high-quality
1: thinner would have, and water could actually just be in the can. That's why you'll normally see a manufacturer say, only their thinners. And in most cases, most of them will also give the alternate for, or an automotive-grade thinner. Sure. And because we all know anybody who's done any work with automotive finishes, they're, they're more expensive, they're more refined, they're usually a thinner film, so they have less tolerances for these kinds of contaminations. So they're usually a good source of thinner also.
2: And and while we're at it with the sneaky ways water can get in, you might watch your airlines as well. Uh, If you're applying with a conventional pot where the air is directly introduced into the paint stream, you might use the blotter test or something similar. You can always call us and we'll give you a copy of that standard or, or tell you how to check. But water can be in airlines, especially if there's not a moisture trap. And that's one more sneaky way that you can get... Just a small amount of water in that batch of urethane, and uh, it can have a pretty deleterious effect. A a little bit of water goes a long way in urethanes, there's no doubt.
0: Well, that's why in the high solids materials that are typically applied plurally, you usually use moisture lock hoses. Because if you think about a big plural component system, every connection is a possible spot for water to get in. So these moisture lock hoses really do a good job of keeping moisture out of your system preventing you from having any crystallization on your ISO side.
1: The other thing that you need to look at is if you're doing a plural application, you're probably pumping directly out of a drum at some point. Sure. And when you start to suck that material up out of the drum, it's got to be replaced by something. That's why they have all those different bung holes on the top of a drum lid. You're going to open up one of them to let air in to replace the material you're pumping out. If you don't put a desiccant filter or a dehydrating filter there, To keep the moisture out of your can, you will be introducing moisture into that bucket. And if you use it all today and you pump it all out and it's out, you're probably not going to have a problem. You think you're going to put the lids back on it and come back to that in three or four days, you're probably going to have some outgassing and some crystallization in there.
0: And another thing you never ever want to do is have water be the last thing that goes through your spray rig prior to the addition of a isocyanate material. Well, the guys who sell spray hoses wouldn't mind that. Well, yeah, they get to sell you a whole bunch more spray hoses.
1: Yeah, because there's no fixing that.
0: Plus, typically what will happen is you'll see that polyurethane foam. And that's one thing that I kind of want everybody to take away from this episode and think about is if you're ever out there and you're spraying urethanes, isocyanated, reacted materials, and it starts foaming like crazy, I want everybody to know... That, there's wa- that, that, that means water. Doesn't mean anything else.
1: Yeah, it's always water. So if,
0: if right. you're spraying a high-solid urethane and it starts foaming
1: and almost looks like beer froth coming out of the tip, <laughs> there's water. Yep. And, you know, another time, if you look at something and it doesn't look, you're looking at a high-gloss urethane finish on a smooth piece of steel, and you look at it and you go, why is it dull? If you go look at it under slight magnification, 7 X, 10X magnification, you are probably going to see what we commonly call microfoaming. And it's the same thing. There was moisture somewhere that caused it to react, and you're getting a down-glossing on the surface.
2: That could just be as simple as you applied the material, there was no water there, and you crossed the dew point before enough time it had elapsed. So that very top couple of microns of urethane reacted with either atmospheric moisture or the dew. And like Paul said, you can look at that under a microscope. We can do that here. If you have a question, let us know. And um, you'll see these really small bubbles, maybe even a fraction fraction of a micron across. But on the macro scale, that appears as a dull finish because it's not very uniform.
1: Yep.
0: All right. Well, I think we've kind of talked as much as we can about water and isocyanates Have today. we fed the
1: fed horse? We have
0: fed the fed horse. But I do want to leave you guys with a little gag that you can pull on some of your slower coworkers. Okay. So the next time you see... Hey, I got a you... bum
1: hip. I'm not that bad.
0: <laughs> Take him out back. I, I meant slow a different way oh okay (laughs) um if you see them drinking a bottle of water and you really want to mess with them look them dead in the eye and go you know they put dihydrogen oxide in that (laughs) and and watch to see how long it takes for them to realize that you were talking about h2o good old water but at first when you phrase it dihydrogen oxide i guarantee you freak out at
2: least one person
0: (laughs) and with and with that nerdy tip We leave you, and we'll see you next Monday. Bill, thank you so much for coming in.
2: Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks, Bill. I'll keep working with you. Who put the light
0: in Carly?